You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, how are you doing this fine Sunday morning? I'm doing quite well. I'm trying to tick off, like, every state in the country to have recorded the podcast from. So we've got Pennsylvania, we've got Nevada, we've got New Jersey, and now I'm in Hilton Head, South Carolina. So, you know, we're, we'll slowly but surely, we'll get all 50, I'm sure. You're a beast. I've only been <laughs> repping Southern Indiana at this point. But it's a strong rep. 30 episodes strong. It is. We got consistency, if not nothing. So you had a pretty exciting weekend, yeah? Yeah, my weekend was a blast. I had an insanely awesome stream on Thursday. Uh, Essentially, I've had like a week-long weekend because I had snow days all week, which was (laughs) the dream. So I got to draft as much RX as I wanted all week. And then on Thursday, my stream was awesome. The Magic Twitch handle stopped by. Thank you so much for that. Uh, They invited me to future streamer showdowns, which is really cool. So I will be participating hopefully in the February streamer showdown. And good luck to you in the RX streamer showdown. Going to be competing next Thursday, the 25th in the 5 p.m. Pacific pod. So come come hang out. It's a pretty stacked pod, but not a lot of limited streamers. So I may have a slight edge. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Martin Yuza also stopped by my stream on Thursday, which was insane. So he was there yeah. just to kind of like check things out. Looked like I was doing well and... He hadn't practiced drafting much, so he was hanging out trying to learn the format while he was doing his own drafts, which was absolutely unreal for me. Super, super cool. So you're basically on a Pro Tour testing team now, yeah? Yeah, just obviously. Mm -hmm. Just add that to your resume. Yeah. And then went to the GP with my two older brothers, Nick and Adam. Uh, So we went up to Indianapolis on Friday night, did some test pools, and then went to the GP on Saturday, which was awesome. Like having been to a regular GP and now a team GP, I can confirm team GPs are three times as much fun as (laughs) individual GPs. GPs. Uh, it was great. I would do any team GP I was available for, obviously limited only, <laughs> uh, right? in the future. Uh, it was really, really cool to win and lose as a team. Uh, being there with my older brothers was really special. We had a really good pool. We built well. We had good decks. Uh, we ended up scrubbing out at one and three, which is a bit of a bummer, but our three rounds that we lost all went down to the last game of the last match. So like you play, uh, each person plays best of three. So we won man- we won one match, lost one match, and then it came down to the last person playing their game three. Uh, and we barely lost really narrowly uh, three times in a row. We could have easily been 4-0, but super fun weekend. Got to meet a lot of people. I met Jamie Topples and her husband, John. And I met Melvin the Muppet, did an interview with Melvin that's on Twitter, which was super cool. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I got to go check that out. Yeah, got a signed Melvin token and uh, met some people from the Discord. I met Kaz from the Discord. I met uh, Seth Lars from Twitch chat. And unfortunately, I missed some other people like DC Sports. Uh, so if I missed you, uh, huge apologies. I'm sure there will be other chances, other GPs in Indy. Um, and it was a blast having support from everyone on Twitter. Thank you so, so, so much. I felt very loved, very appreciated. You guys are wonderful. It was unreal. That's awesome, man. I'm so glad you got to do that. I can't. I hope that some someday in the future we get to team together for a limited gp it's gonna happen i might just say screw band and we might just go to columbus anyway we'll see oh please 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 (laughs) do that that would be awesome all right well we got a lot to do this is our first week drafting rivals so uh, a lot to talk about and ben and i really haven't been able to like cross paths in terms of our like strategies i didn't get to watch a lot of his stream this week and we just like skyped last night for the first time so i'm really looking forward to like figuring out what has been working for us because i think it's a lot different than it has been in the past yeah but before we do that i want to shout out some new patrons we have a patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited where you can give back to the show if you so choose uh some sweet perks there get access to our lords of limited discord chat get copies of our show notes get a little uh copy of a pre-show recording to get some behind the scenes of the podcast and one of those perks as well is to get shouted out when you join the fray so thank you to mike rick Brandon, Chris, and Will. Thank you so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. Welcome. Yeah, it's been awesome hanging out with everybody in the Discord. I love looking at deck picks, drafts, like checking out, see how you can improve things, what I would have done versus what you would have done. It has been a blast. Yeah, for sure. And we've been getting a lot of requests, and it is now the time for the Lords of Limited famous treasure hunt achievement list yeah boy yeah so we've got a list of we're, we're walking it back a little bit the 18 hour stream was a little <laughs> tough for these these old men here uh so we're gonna do only 15 achievements this time around ben why don't you start us off with our first one yeah number one dino discount cast a dinosaur with the cost reduced by four or more by kinjali's collar knight of the stampede or Otapek Huntmaster. number two hashtag woke Get an Awakened Malgum with power and toughness 
five or more. Number three, you can't touch this. Attack for ten or more with unblockable creatures. Number four, polywanaraptor. Control five or more polyraptors. Number five, hashtag blessed. Ascend by turn four. Get the city's blessing by turn four. Number six, time walk memorial achievement. Take two extra turns in one game with time stream navigator. That's going to require two screenshots. Number seven, you're my only hope. Cast blazing hope to prevent lethal damage. Number eight, what's mana burn? Add more than 20 mana to your mana pool with sanctum of the sun. Number nine, what can you do? <laughs> Control a Hwatli with 20 or more loyalty. Number 10, exclamation mark, lunch. Cast Galta Primal Hunger for just GG. Number 11, land ho. Return eight lands or more to play with World Shaper. Number 12, heavy metal. Deal lethal damage to your opponent with Metzali Tower of Triumph. Number 13, not wholesome. Exile four creatures with profane procession. 14. Brainstorm Shuffle. Cast Brainstorm off of the Riverwise Augur and Evolving Wild to shuffle away the two cards. Number 15. You won't like me when I'm angry. Siegehorn Ceratops is going to be an 8-8 or bigger. Alright, so for those of you who don't know about the achievement lists, we are posing a list of 15 sort of like Xbox achievements uh, for Rivals of Ixalan Limited. And you want to take a screenshot when you unlock one of these and ship it over to us on Twitter at Lord Tupperware, at Mr. Metronome, at Lords of Limited, or over to lordsoflimited at gmail.com if you're not on Twitter. And then if you get five or more of them unlocked, you'll be entered into a giveaway for a draft set. So we're going to give away a total of four draft sets of Rivals of Ixalan. And if you get five or more, you'll be entered in to be eligible for those draft sets. And then the big, big, big reward is if as a community we unlock all 15, Ben and I will do a combined 15-hour stream together. Yeah. And we're going to do something a little different this year, uh, or not this year, rather, this iteration of the achievement list. Uh, We're going to have some bragging rights on the line. Yeah. You'll notice lots of those achievements had control something with this number or more. So if any of those achievements say or more, we're going to shout out the person that had, for example, the Huatli with the most loyalty. Or the biggest Awakened Amalgam. Um, So at the end of when we wrap up the achievement list, if you've had the most in one of those categories, we're going to shout you out on the podcast as well. So get cracking. Get cracking. All right. Speaking of cracking, I want to take a seat at a round table, Ben. Let's do it. All right. So this is one of my drafts. This is probably about like seven or eight drafts deep into the format. You sit down and check out the following cards for your pack one, pick one. So we're going to we are going to start shortcutting these and just do cards in contention. So pack one, pick one. Uh, you see the following options. Kite Sail Corsair. One in a blue for the 2-1 human pirate, and it has flying as long as it's attacking. Impale. Two black black for the sorcery. Destroy target creature. Goblin Trailblazer. One in a red for the 2-1 goblin pirate with menace. Bombard. Two in a red for the instant. Bombard deals four damage to target creature. And Crested Herdcaller. Three green green for the 3-3 trample, and when it enters the battlefield, create a 3-3 green dinosaur creature token with trample. Yeah, this is a pretty strong pack, right? You've got, like, the good green dino, good red pirate, good black removal spell, good blue flyer. I think where I'm at is I would put Bombard over the pirate first as the best red card in the pack. And then I think I would be like, well, if I'm going to take a removal spell, I probably would take Impale over Bombard. Would you really? Uh, maybe not. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe that's wrong. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe I'd take Bombard over P- Impale. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I haven't been ending up in red a lot, so I have like played with it less, but yeah, that's fair. All right. Scratch that, listeners. I, wanna, <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I said I'd take Bombard over Impale. I don't know what Ben's talking about. Um, and then I would probably still be on the both creatures, the blue flyer and the herd caller over the removal spell, because I don't really value removal that highly, I guess. And then I have just been drafting blue like a fiend, and I think Kitesail Corsair is one of the best things you can do in this format, and I would grab that here. Yeah, it was super close to me. I had the same thing as you. I narrowed it down to Crested Herdcaller and Kitesail Corsair. Um, I'm not quite as high on the Corsair as you are, so it was Crested Herdcaller for me, but could not fault anyone for taking Kitesail Corsair there. So I've got a Crested Herdcaller. Ethan's got a Kitesail Corsair. Moving on to pack one, pick two. You see the following cards in contention. Squire's Devotion, two and a white for the Enchantment Aura, Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus one, and has a lifelink. When Squire's Devotion enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 Vampire Token with lifelink. Spirewinder, three and a blue for the two three flyer with ascend. Spirewinder gets plus one plus one as long as you have the city's blessing. Moment of craving, 
one and a black for the instant. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. You gain two life. Kite Sail Corsair, one and a blue for the two one human pirate again with flying. When it's attacking, Reaver Ambush, two and a black for the instant. Exile target creature with power three or less. And I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. So two good black removal spells, another blue flyer, and a really, or two blue flyers, I guess, with the Corsair and the Winder, and a really, really strong aura in Squire's Devotion. But if it was good enough to first pick, it's good enough to second pick. I would be grabbing another Kitesail Corsair here. Interesting. So currently, I think I've got Squire's Devotion as my best common overall. I'm in love with that card. Wow. It's so, so, so strong. So while I do like Kitesail Corsair quite a bit, uh, but it doesn't match up quite as well with my Crested Herd Caller. Like if you're getting blue-green, uh, you really want to be low to the ground like Merfolk. So that was what gave me the nod to Squire's Devotion here. So I ended up on Squire's Devotion. And we'll be getting into this in a little bit, but I haven't had any experience with green-white, but you have had quite a bit of experience with that deck. So you, at this point, you feel sort of comfortable going, yeah, green-white's a deck, and I'm okay with the Herd Caller and the Devotion here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right, moving on to pack one, pick three. You see the following cards as options. Deadeye Rig Hauler, three and a blue for the 3-2 Human Pirate. Raid Trigger, when it enters the battlefield, if you attacked with a creature this turn, you may return target creature to its owner's hand. Crashing Tide, two and a blue for the Sorcery. Has Flash as long as you control a Merfolk. Return target creature to its owner's hand and draw a card. Forerunner of the Heralds, three and a green for a 3-2 Merfolk Scout. When Forerunner of the Heralds enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a Merfolk card, reveal it, Shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. Whenever another Merfolk enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Forerunner of the Heralds. And there's also a Baffling End, one and a white for the enchantment. When Baffling End enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or less. And when Baffling End leaves the battlefield, the opponent gets a 3-3 green dino token with Trample. What uh, What's your opinion on Baffling End? Have you seen it in play yet? Yes, it's great. Yeah, it's really, really good, right? Yep, not a drawback, really. I mean, yeah. obviously it is, but it doesn't come up, I don't think. It has not really come up. So you, you, you have a, like, B-minus, B-material? Yeah, B-minus, I think. Yeah, cool. That's where I'm at, too. I, with my two blue flyers, I would be grabbing Crashing Tide here. I've swapped Crashing Tide and Deadeye Rig Hauler as number two and number three, so I now have Crashing Tide as the second best blue common, with Kite Sail Corsair being the best blue common. So I would be on Crashing Tide here to follow up, like, a nice basically cryptic command to go along with my two evasive threats yeah for sure i agree with that completely i think crashing tide is the second best blue common for me having my crested herd caller and squire's devotion baffling end is the best green or white card in the pack and i'm pretty happy to be green white i'm pretty happy to pick up a cheap efficient removal spell here for my deck it also might like baffling end might just be the best card in the pack period i think it is yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so it's pretty nice that you get to follow up your white aura with your white removal spell yeah Moving on to pack one, pick four. Cards in contention include Sailor Means, two and a blue for the 1-4 pirate that makes a treasure when it enters the battlefield. Hunt the weak, three and a green for the sorcery. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Then that creature fights target creature you don't control. Martyr of Dusk, one and a white for the 2-1 vamp soldier. When it dies, create a 1-1 white vamp token with lifelink. Guilt Grove Stalker, one and a green for a 2-1 merfolk warrior that can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Another forerunner of the heralds, the merfolk forerunner. And Wayward Swordtooth is our rare. Two and a green for the 5-5 Dino with Ascend. Uh, You can play an additional land on each of your turns, and it can't attack or block unless you've got the City's Blessing. This pack is kind of sad for me because, like, I don't have, like, a sweet tempo or evasive follow-up with my three blue cards. Resplendent Griffin is in the pack. I don't think we mentioned that. That's the one white blue 2-2 flyer with Ascend that, like, when it has the City's Blessing, when you have the City's Blessing, if you attack with it, it gets plus one, plus one counter on it. I've played that card a little bit and it's not been really impressive so it wouldn't really be a reason for me to move into like blue white i don't think there's like hunt the weak but it doesn't match up well with my corsairs so i might just default and take my boy sailor of means here which like does actually a pretty fine job in a blue deck of like holding the ground while i'm attacking with my flyers maybe gives me uh, ascend a turn earlier or gives me opportunity to splash something so i think i might just stick with blue and take the sailor of means here yeah makes sense i speculated on wayward sword tooth i took one for the team here mm. uh, i wanted to try to play with the rare i'd seen this in play and seen it be kind of mediocre but i wanted to see if i could make it work in draft can confirm not great yeah someone made the comparison to dusk charger which is the three and a black five five or three three horse that when you have the city's blessing it's a five five instead Ooh, i like that yeah and i was like oh it's just like a less consistent dusk charger yeah yeah that's not great 
<laughs> I wish someone had made that comparison to me before I picked you here. <laughs> yeah. uh, I should have taken Hunt the Week. Hunt the Week was the clear pick, I think, uh, knowing what I know now in hindsight about Swordtooth. Pack one, pick five, super weak pack. The only real card in the pack is Hunt the Week. So I think you and I would have both been on that there. And then pack yeah. one, pick six, I got an Atzikan Seer, which is the green-white uh, gold card for the dinosaur, like, graveyard recursion thing so it's one green white for a two three human druid you can tap to add one man of any color to your mana pool and you can sack it to bring a dino back from the graveyard at instant speed to your hand and there's also still a squire's devotion in the pack so yeah. i was thrilled to see that pack and i ended up in green white dinosaurs in this draft but i think nice. you've gone a very different direction oh yeah i mean in that pack you were just talking about there's a dead eye rig hauler so i would have grabbed that and i think i mean it's tough to know how the draft would have worked out with me grabbing blue cards but it seems like I, that's a pretty great start to a draft in my opinion for for a blue deck yeah it's so funny the little bit we have talked we've talked about how blue's never been open for me and yet you mm -hmm. like navigated a blue draft here just fine i think so probably because maybe i feel like blue's open because i'm not quite willing to pick kite sail corsair high enough yeah maybe that's true we'll see we'll get into what's been working for us in the episode today yeah before we do that we should check on the trophy leaderboard oh yeah how you been doing? You you had all your snow days. Had all my snow days. So I've managed to jam 18 drafts. Uh, this was Monday through Thursday. 18 drafts in four days. Feels good. Seven trophies in those 18 drafts. An overall record of 37 and 15 for a 71% win rate. How about you? Well, I don't have as many drafts under my belt, Ben. You, you beat me this, this week, unfortunately. What? I had some serious FOMO while I was like, seeing you just draft the day away while I was in rehearsal. Yes, and for those of you that are like me and don't know what FOMO is, it's fear of missing out. Yes. So I had 14 drafts this week, but I do have seven trophies for a 29 and 11 win-loss record and a 72 and a half percent win rate. So you're trophying a one in two drafts? Currently. That's going to not be consistent, but yeah. That is absurd. Two drafts. Yeah. Yes. Blue is good. Blue is very good. All right, um, so we have some things we want to talk about in general in the format, some questions we want to answer, and then we'll get into like what's been working for each of us individually. Yeah, so let's start it off. Do you still think this is a beard format? I guess I do, though maybe the E stands for evasion. I don't know. I think it's like that the enhancements in the format are pretty good, but the thing that makes me feel less confident about it is how much I feel like we kind of missed the mark on Strider Harness. What, what do you think? Yeah, uh, Strider Harness has definitely gone down for me a ton. I think it's a fine 22nd, 23rd playable, but not not as good as we thought, for sure. Yeah. So to me, there's two standout enhancements that I'm picking over almost everything, and those are Curious Obsession and Squire's Devotion. Uh, as I said earlier, I'm super high on Squire's Devotion right now. I think it's great in aggro, and I think it's great in control, which is why I think it's so strong. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you like Sea Red a lot as well. I'm not quite as high on that one. Yeah, well, I think I'm now with you that, that red might be the weakest of the five colors. So there's a consideration there. But I think pack one, pick one, I would take Sea Red over Squire's Devotion. Ooh, really? Wow. Yeah. I, I think that card is really, really strong. It is, certainly, if it resolves. I'm just afraid of getting owned with the removal like on the opponent's turn like so you land c red and they remove your creature that's a big hit whereas with squire's devotion at least if you do that you get in a lifelink hit so it's a bigger life swing and you have the one one vamp left lying around so i think it's a little less risky as an aura but how are they you're saying if it gets to their turn and then they remove it mm -hmm, yeah yeah sure i mean yeah you've gotten some lifelink I, I guess that's fair but neither of those situations are you particularly happy no, you're not thrilled, for sure. Yeah. And then just a quick disclaimer, Tilanali's crown is not great in this format. You know, we're, we're in love no. with the, the enhancements. This is not an enhancement you should be looking to put in your deck or picking highly. It's fine in aggressive decks, and it can do an impression of, like, picking off your opponent's two ones uh, that are evasive. But you also need to be careful not to do that into open mana. Uh, I was talking to Ryan Sachs, and he said he's blown some people out. Uh, that way with combat tricks already that have tried oh, wow. to like pick off his x ones <laughs> that's so gross yeah don't you till an ollie's crown into open mana trying on your opponent's creature so yeah i do still think it's a beard format as well the format feels similar to ixalan to me mm -hmm. but not quite exactly the same and we'll, we'll get into some of the differences uh here yeah i do think it's a little bit harder to run away with games with an enhancement the removal did get better i think we need to acknowledge that yeah it really did though the removal got better then why do I still not feel like super excited to pick it? I don't want to be, I'm still taking, you're still taking moment of craving over impale like first, right? You want your first moment of craving over your first impale? Absolutely. Yes. I feel like that is a nod to it still being like, it's a, a low to the ground format. It's like a little bit more about like maybe some tempo than it is about like landing a big thing and, and does that win the game, you know? 
Yeah, certainly. I th- I think you want efficient removal. Like moment yeah. of craving, bombard. Mm. Like the bounce in blue is really yeah. really strong. But yeah, I'm not I'm not thrilled about impale. I'm not picking impale super highly. I'm not picking the claustrophobia water tide knot or whatever it is. Water knot. Yeah, like I, I feel like I'm a lot lower on water knot and luminous bonds than the rest of the world. When I've been streaming, chat has been like like luminous bonds is not a card that excites me. I still have it as the third best white common, but it's low. Like I feel like man, I'll, I'll get. I feel like because there is so much, like there's a white removal spell, there's a blue removal spell, there's a black removal spell, like all these things deal with basically everything that I don't need to prioritize them because I don't want that many in my deck. I can get one or two at some point and I don't need to take it early. Whereas like the efficient threats or the good auras or I, I don't know, the, the the flyers, those are things that I don't feel like I can get whenever I want. I agree completely. That's I think that's the I think that's why it still is a beard format in my mind. You don't mm-hmm. want a deck full of eight removal spells like you did an hour of devastation. You want right. eight you want eight cheap aggressive two drops. Mm-hmm. That's what you want in your deck. So you have to pick the aggressive two drops over the removal still, for the most part. I agree. Yeah. So the other question is is Dirtle possible? Can we build a control deck in Rivals of Ixalan? We did it last night on stream we together. Sure did. Yeah, I think I kind of missed the mark on this in the set review. That like I was like, no, Sailor of Means isn't gonna be good here. The like multicolored control decks aren't real. And I think that's pretty wrong. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons the control decks are good is because the aggro is getting it's this set feels even more all in aggro than Ixalan did in some ways because there's not ways to protect your creatures that you're enhancing as easily and all of the best evasive two drops are x ones so they're easier to pick off if you have the tools to fight them in your deck mm-hmm. so a lot of those aggro decks if you just stop them they have no late game so if you can just stabilize there are a multitude of like win condition options to choose from. And I think one of the most underrated ones, at least by us, was Secrets of the Golden City, yeah. which is one blue blue uh, for a card that says draw two cards. And then if you've got Ascend, you draw three cards instead. That does a very close overflowing insight impression from the last set. The four blue 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 draw seven cards. You don't really need to draw seven cards. Drawing three cards is often enough to close out the game. I'm sorry, Ben. Did you just say you don't need to draw seven cards? <laughs> I, I, I am those words came out very, of my mouth. Yes. I think I don't think I can continue recording this episode. I'm so offended. <laughs> yeah, that that was a pretty big miss on that card. Just because like these decks, like Sailor of Means, does a lot. I mean, I thought it did a lot in the Dirtle decks in Ixalan, and I think it does maybe even more now that the City's Blessing is a mechanic. Like it brick wall stuff it adds two permanents to the battlefield to help you get the city's blessing quicker it allows you to splash around i just think it really fits in a lot of little crevices in this deck that adds up to a pretty powerful card another card that you nailed in our set review is the second best black uncommon and i want to just you know piggyback on that is golden demise that's the one black black all creatures sorcery all creatures get minus two minus two except if you have the city's blessing, only your opponent's creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. That card really helps like stop aggressive decks, um, allows you to like recoup some losses. Pretty easy to get like at least a two for one out of that card. Yeah, it's outstanding. It goes in aggro decks as well. The card is just great. Very, very strong card in the format. And Moment of Craving has really performed in these dirtling type decks. Just mm-hmm. as a way to interact with your opponent's first play and gain you some life, give you a nice buffer. After I saw this card in the sealed weekend, I was pretty high on it, and I'm even higher on it. Spirewinder is like the new Grazing Whiptail. It's a four mana, three, four, when you have the City's Blessing, that can block flyers. It's, I think, a pretty big key to this deck interesting yeah Yeah. it's been impressive that makes sense to me when you compare it to grazing whiptail as like something that brick walls your opponent's kite sail corsairs for example exactly yeah you you play this and they're like oh man and then the thing is like and then it's like well i could i'll I'll be able to outclass it when i play my five mana three power flyer my aerosaur my wind strider my harpy whatever but it's like nope once this becomes a three four it's also blocking all of those you know what else embarrasses Kitesail Corsair? Skyblade of the Legion from Ixalan. Oh, yeah. I ran into that at the GP uh, yesterday. That is pretty gross. So the other thing we've been talking about this week, I think, is that the format feels less tribal, right? Like, people have been asking, like, what's the difference? And I think it's less tribal, except for, like, Merfolk and Vamps got a lord at Uncommon. So that feels a bit more tribal, like, easier to, like, see those linear synergies. Pirates and Dinos feels a little less so to me. Do you agree with that? Uh, I disagree with the Dinos. I think Dinos got more tribal. Oh, interesting. I think Dinos is a deck now based on, I think there are more Dinos mm-hmm. at better converted mana costs. Like they're spread more throughout your curve. 
and I think there's some outstanding three drop dinos, like notably the one green green for the Brontodon. Oh, it's God, like the yeah. three four, and you can pay one to sack it to destroy target artifact or enchantment. That's great. And then I think the whole dinosaur's deck revolves around uh, Knight of the Stampede, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, but it's three and a green for the two four, and it makes your dinosaurs cost two less. So I think those the quantity of dinosaurs and the existence of Knight of the Stampede makes dinosaurs feel like a much more maybe not tribal, but a much more like viable focused deck than it was in Ixalan. Yeah, synergistic for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, then I guess I would just say that I think Pirates is is not really synergy. Like it feels like whatever Pirate synergy existed has been replaced by Ascend. At least certainly for Blue Black, I think that's like Blue Black is the city's blessing deck. And if we think back, like Blue Black or Pirates didn't really even have uh, a lot of tribal stuff outside of rares save for Pirates Cutlass, but that was really picked up by everybody, so Pirates Cutlass didn't really feel like a pirate tribal card. And there's, like, no pirate synergy cards, even at rare in Rivals. So it just feels like kind of like a creature type now, rather than something that you're trying to, like, do with a bunch of pirates. Right, and I think they're more aggro... They just play out more like aggro decks than they do tribal decks. Like, you've got Buccaneer's Bravado to try to pump your pirates. I mean, that's a payoff for being pirates. And I think Neckbreaker is, like, probably the biggest payoff in the set and one of the scariest cards to face down. So Neckbreaker is two black-red for a 3-2 that gives your attacking pirates plus 2 plus 0. That card is strong. Yeah, well, that's, a I think, a great transition. We wanted to just quickly run through the color pair archetypes and maybe what we think they're trying to do so so black red we think is is pretty aggressive yeah yeah pirate aggro and i think it really the best ones i've seen have dire fleet neckbreaker because it turns all your one drop and two drop two ones into four ones that like demand double blocks in some cases and really lets you punch through uh, for those last few points of damage yeah for sure blue black i think it's kind of like a control ascend deck or a tempo deck as i'll talk about later that's a deck i've i've played a lot and i feel like i kind of understand but yeah it doesn't feel quite as aggressive because i think a lot of the cards get benefits from you getting the city's blessing so you at least want to get to that point of 10 permanents by like turn six or seven or whatever for sure green white is dinosaur ramp kind of a control deck in the format and this deck got much 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 better i think with rivals of ixalan than it was in ixalan i'm now happy to draft green white and i think it's a very viable deck black green still feels like it's got the shaft a little bit like it did in ixalan i think it's going to be a deck but i think that is going to be just sort of because of what black and green have to offer not because of like some sort of synergy that you get by combining the two colors so i think you're going to get some good strong removal from from black with like the chupacabra or the golden demise uh green's gonna have some beefy creatures and maybe some abilities to splash around so this may be like sometimes black green splashing for some bomb but i think this is more of a a mid-range or control archetype yeah White black still vamps. Uh, vamps feels a little bit different now than it did in Ixalan. It can still go wide with Legion Lieutenant to like buff your team, but it's more almost about clogging the board now and having evasive threats. Uh, so, for example, there's like the two three flyer. There's the three one flyer. There's a lot more evasive creatures, and it's less about like having a ton of one one life linkers and then buffing them with your anointed deacons. Um, in my experience, yeah, red green. You've had experience with this deck more than I have. What, what's this deck trying to do? This is dinosaur stompy. Uh, this has also got much better. This deck's great. Uh, we're gonna lay it out for you in just a bit here. Blue green, still merfolk. Still tempo aggro, but feels a bit more go wide because of Merfolk Mistbinder, the the green blue uh, lord at common at uncommon rather, um, and then also with the uh, the pioneer, the two and a green two two that makes a one one. Like it feels like Merfolk's a bit more of a go wide strategy this time around. Yeah, red white is supposedly dinosaurs. I don't think there's a ton of dinosaur synergy here. Uh, it just feels like a really, really strong, aggressive deck. Yeah, with feels like to me it's got like two great auras with Sea Red and Squire's Devotion. It's got a lot of efficiently costed like one drops and two drops, and it seems like a, it can be a pretty aggro deck. I'm I'm more excited about Red White than I am about Black Red, if I'm honest with you. Oh, are you really? I am not. Oh, interesting. Blue White Flyers. We've been talking about this since uh, before Rivals even came out as being a good deck. Uh, this is Flyers, auras, hexproof, tempo lifelink this is just a sweet 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 deck i have faced it down several times and it's been very impressive on the other side of the battlefield i've not drafted it yet and i want to draft it so badly start taking corsairs baby i know i know (laughs) uh and what's blue red trying to do blue red is all in pirate aggro i've played this deck a couple times and it's felt fine uh i one two with it twice i think it just felt a step 
slow and maybe i just didn't have the right pieces but i'm still trying to figure out how to draft that deck and make it work i've played blue red twice and trophied with it twice have you really interesting yeah what were the key pieces to the deck i think it just felt like it it was more they were more base blue than red like it was i mean a lot of corsairs and a lot of bounce and then backed up by like a little bit of red removal or like the uh, buccaneers bravado that kind of thing but red was more of a, a helper to the deck than it was like a key component so playing it more of a tempo aggro deck than like yeah all in with auras etc yeah i wasn't really all in with auras or like one drops as much as i was like trying to be evasive tempo and then backing that up with some removal or like some powerful five drops like the the like what do you call that the double trample the the tuscadon the three red red four four yeah charging tuscadon yeah so maybe getting a little beef from red at the top end but using blues like evasive threats and uh bounce tempo plays to really like get ahead cool All right, so we're going to dive straight into a couple of the archetypes we've won with the most. So for me, the first one of those is red-green dinosaurs. Uh, I've trophied with that three times. Whoa. Yeah, uh, it's really strong, really strong. And I think there are a lot of reasons, like I'm kind of going to lay out how I get into the deck for you outside of opening like Atali or some other busted dinosaur rare. So the deck has great uncommons, the first of which is forerunner of the empire that's the dinosaur forerunner mm-hmm. cost three and a red for the one three human soldier when it enters the battlefield you look for a dinosaur card reveal it put it on top of your library and then when a dinosaur enters the battlefield under your control you can have forerunner of the empire deal one damage to each creature so that ability is super relevant because it triggers your own enrage things and it picks off your opponent's x1s uh, if you're under pressure so going forerunner into a dinosaur your best dinosaur potentially on turn five is really really strong uh, shake the foundations needle tooth raptor wombo combo so shake the foundations is two and a red for an instant which i did not realize until the first time i cast it <laughs> deals one damage to each creature without flying and you draw a card again triggers all your enrage picks off your opponent's x1s if you're under pressure triggers your needle tooth raptor uh, which is three and a red for a two two dinosaur uh, that when it takes damage deals five damage to target creature and opponent controls that's really strong in this deck and then there's just some great great efficient dinosaurs lower on the curve there's like three drops four drops five drops in red green so charging tuscadon we just talked about that's three red red for the four four with double trample Uh, if it hits your opponent it does like double the damage that it would do to a player crested herd caller that's three green green for the three three dinosaur with trample that makes another three three green dinosaur token with trample so two three three tramplers for five mana thrashing brontodon that's the one green green for the three four dinosaur uh that can pay a mana to sacrifice to blow up target artifact or enchantment and then the gold uncommon for this color pair is absurd raging register two red green for a four four and when it attacks you can ping something a creature or a player you can trigger your own enrage with it you pick off your opponent's x1s all of those cards are very very strong and good reasons to get into the deck and there's some huge payoffs at common for the deck that aren't quite as obvious uh the first is knight of the stampede i think i initially underrated this card quite a bit until i saw strix familiar another streamer uh, whose stream i really enjoy if you like our streams i strongly encourage you to go check out strix familiar streams he's great so three green for a two four human uh, and it makes your dinosaur spells cost two less to cast um so if you can play this you know even if you miss your next land drop you can play something like a colossal dreadmaw on the following turn the four green green for the six six trample so it's like oasis ritualist yes it functions in the dinosaur deck similar it's a similar power almost more power level uh, because you don't have to tap it or exert it like the turn that you play it in your dinosaur deck i've routinely made like 10 12 14 mana off my knights of the stampede if they survive over like the course of the next couple turns it's really really busted uh depending on what's what sort of dinosaurs you have on your hand and then i think stampeding horncrest is another underrated common that really helps this deck out that's four and a green for the four four with dino haste it's got haste as long as you control another dinosaur what i think stampeding horncrest allows you to do is fight against the blue uh tempo decks so a lot of times dinosaurs has a weak matchup against blues bounce and tempo plays and they can't bounce stampeding horncrest profitably because you're just going to replay it the following turn and crack in for four anyway so it gives the deck a lot of staying power against blue which was one of its weakest matchups that was going to be my question is because i haven't gotten a chance to play with red green dinos yet is it seems like it's kind of soft to flyers but are you just you're just racing them with larger threats is that how you're you're beating those decks yeah that's why i call it stompy that's how you beat those decks you're just you're doing bigger things faster than they are so yeah you might be taking two in the air from their kitesail corsair you probably aren't if you've got a grazing whiptail but if you are like your dinos come out faster and hit harder 
than what the other decks are doing. And like there's tools to pick off the X ones. Like you can play dual shots. So if you just disrupt the opponent a little bit and then stick a dinosaur, you can close out the game really, really quickly. Interesting. Yeah. So how I end up getting into the deck, I usually start with some of the good uncommon dinosaurs early uh and then i might pick up some i well that's another reason i think the deck got a lot better there's good common removal spells in red and green now where there as there were not really in ixalan so bombard is really strong in the deck and hunt the weak is very strong in the deck so i usually start out with some of those good uncommon dinosaurs then maybe look to pick up a knight of the stampede somewhere in the fourth through eight pick range and heaven forbid if people don't know how good it is and you're wheeling them but I do think Knight of the Stampede is a high pick for this deck. And then wheeling some of the common dinosaurs, like the Horncrest, uh, that's the 4-4 Haster. And maybe some of there's common three-drop dinos, like in red and green. One of them is like a two and a green for a 4-2 vanilla. And then two and a red for a 3-2 that has like an enraged trigger of deal two damage to your opponent. Like mm-hmm. wheeling those just to up your dinosaur count. Because those cards, paying them one mana for them off Knight of the Stampede is really strong at helping you stabilize. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, that's interesting. I, I'm, I feel like I have the tools now to see how this deck is open. Yeah. What about Blue Black? You've been having a ton of success with that, right? Yeah. So it's really interesting to me. So I've done 14 drafts. 11 of my decks have been blue. That is crazy. Yeah. You've really embraced the drafting with your preferences concept. I think I have. I mean, it's worked out for me so far. So I think this has to do with the fact that we pegged blue as the best color early on, and I stand by that. I think it's the best by a pretty significant margin. And the reason is, is because of how deep the roster is of the commons. So let's let's run through them here. Kitesail Corsair, the one in a blue, 2-1 when it's attacking, it has flying. Crashing Tide, that's the bounce and draw spell. Deadeye Rig Hauler, that's the 3-2 raid bounce a creature. Spirewinder, that's the four mana 2-3 flyer that has ascend plus one plus one. Soul of the Rapids, I like quite a bit, at least one copy of. That's the five mana 3-2 hexproof flyer. Water knot, one blue blue for the tap target creature doesn't untap during its con- controller's untap step. All of those are at common. Those are all like pretty good cards. I don't think any other color can compete with how deep that bench is. And that's not even getting into the strong uncommons or the rares that you can get. So I feel like the table can support a number of blue drafters. So I don't feel bad about like trying to force this deck because I think I'm going to get in there. I didn't even mention like Sailor of Means or Secret of the Golden that's City. What, yeah, that's that what roster, I was just right? thinking. Like those are very strong tools in certain decks too. Yeah. So I just think the bench is so deep that I think the table can support like three, maybe four drafters in blue. I don't know. And you can still end up with a pretty good deck. Like I get, and I think I'm willing to take these cards a lot later. Like I have Kitesil Corsair as one of the best commons in the set, and I'm willing to take it over a lot as we saw in our roundtable discussion. So that's what I think blue has to offer. And it's generally trying to take advantage of, I think the format is pretty soft to flyers. So you've got three good flyers at common there with Corsair, Spirewinder, and Soul of the Rapids. And then you can pair that with, you know, whatever other colors seem to be open. Blue black has been my most common color pair so far. So while I did come out of the gate saying, I think black was the weakest color because I think the commons are pretty weak. It makes up for it in spades with some of the best uncommons in the format that you like when you get them, you really want to like hold on for dear life to black. So if I get a Chupacabra, I am just like, I need to need to need to play this color, right? I need to play this card. So I'm going to try and be black. Golden Demise has a similar feeling. That's the one black, black, minus two, minus two to everything spell. And Sadistic Sky Marcher, I think, is a pretty strong uncommon as well. That's the flying lifelink 2-2 vampire. Yeah, those cards are all great. Right, they're really powerful pulls into black. And so if you can combine that power with like, you know, some some good little, like, a, I get a couple Dusk Legion Dreadnoughts, the one ones that draw you a card and lose you a life, or or the Fathom Fleet Border, that's the three mana 3-3 three, three pirate that loses two if you don't control another pirate. Like, a three mana 3-3 three, three is a big deal in this format. Unfortunately, like we're just sort of like looking at vanilla creatures, but it's just bigger than most things. So it's like, eh, that's a serviceable card. The the Dusk Charger is pretty good in blue-black Ascend, that, but I will talk about this. I think the four-drop slot gets pretty clogged in this deck, so I've not really found that to be quite at home. Um, but there's just a lot of things that like pair well if we're looking at blue-black as being a sort of tempo mid-range to control deck that's trying to get the city's blessing another card i don't know if you've seen this on in play yet the deadeye brawler that's the blue black uncommon it's a two blue black for a two four human pirate with death touch and then if you have the city's blessing when it deals damage to a player you draw a card yeah it does everything you want early in the game it 
brick walls your opponent and then once you're done brick walling your opponent it turns into something they have to sometimes double block and then like two for one themselves because it's got death touch it's great right it feels very very difficult to block because everything is so small and so like yeah you're like oh, i guess i two for one myself but if i don't block it i'm also two for one myself because they're gonna draw a card and then i'll have to deal with it eventually so they've already gotten a card's worth of value like the card is a house and i think it's a, a pull into the deck uh i already talked before about how i think sailor means like fits a lot of roles in this deck like brick walls helps you get to ascend lets you splash around because i think blue black can often might maybe like splash for a squire's devotion in white or, or splash for a hunt the week or something you know i think you can you can splash around for maybe a removal spell if you need it or or a, an aura so i think it's trying to take advantage of the efficient evasive threats in blue backed up by the bounce spells and strong removal in black that you get um it's a deck where you're going to reliably get the city's blessing to pump your spire winders to draw three cards off your um secrets of the golden city to draw cards with dead eye brawler i think that negate is a, a another blue common that i've like not been mad about running one of in a deck i think it does like a pretty decent impression of dive down as we talked about before just matches up well against like protecting some of your flyers or, or not getting blown out by a combat trick. That's interesting. I've had I've had the opposite experience with Negate. I've tried main decking it and I was not particularly happy with it. Mm. I, I only do it when I have a, a couple more auras, but I would imagine if you ended up in like a blue-white deck with some Squire's Devotions, you wouldn't be mad about having a Negate. Though it doesn't protect like Dive Down does from a Chupacabra. <laughs> it, it, is, it is far away from Dive Down, in my opinion. I think it's usable in a pinch, but I was, I was thinking it was going to be close to Dive Down. Dive Down's much more versatile and one mana cheaper, which I think is a big deal. It's hard to hold up two mana. That's fair. So the ways that I get into this deck are either opening one of those powerful uncommons in black, like the Chupacabra or the Sky Marcher or the Deadeye Brawler, though I don't think I'd be first picking a, a gold card. And then I just often, as you can see from 11 of 14 drafts, I just find myself taking blue cards over other things because I feel like by pick four, pick five, like the packs have, are kind of drying up, but there's still good blue cards to be taking because the common roster is so deep. That's what I found. Like a lot of times around picks five through eight, there's still like crashing tides floating around, which yeah. I, which I'm fine first picking. Right. But I think I'm not taking advantage of that quite as much as you are because I'm not getting into blue as aggressively as you are. So I find myself just being a little sad about passing those late crashing tides, whereas you're eating them up and casting them. Yeah, that is how it's worked, been working out for me so far. I think eventually that will balance out, but I hope not because I've been enjoying getting to play blue most of the time. Yeah. What has white green looked like for you? White green dinos is like very similar to red green dinos, except it's like a little, it's like a step slower, I think more controlly rather than beat down. So red green is very beat down oriented to me. So cards that stand out in white green versus red green, obviously Knight of the Stampede still an all-star, the three green that makes your dinos too cheaper. And I think Kinjali's Collar is probably even playable now. I've not had a white green dinos deck, wanted one in one of my white green dinos decks, and I never would have said that about that card before. Uh, so Kinjali's Collar is the white mana for the O3 that makes your dinos one mana cheaper. I just think there's a critical mass now of playable dinosaurs whereas there was not that in ixalan in my opinion yeah so knight of the stampede still great still a reason to get into dinos the white dinosaurs that stand out really there's only one to me at common the sun crested pterodon that's four and a white for the two five flying dinosaur with dino vigilance it's got vigilance if you control another dinosaur that's very strong at brick walling what your opponent's doing stopping flyers stopping kite sail corsairs and it's a threat that wins in the air it's hard for other flyers to block a 2-5 flyer profitably. And then Squire's Devotions are like a key card in this deck. Putting a Squire's Devotion on a dinosaur, even if you only connect with it once, is often enough of a huge life swing to stabilize you and let you take over in the late game. Um, so I really value Squire's Devotions super highly in this white green dinosaurs deck. And it functions similarly to how like Mark of the Vampire plus Dive Down did in the other format, like stabilizing you against aggressive decks or Oh my god, I forgot the name of it. The five and a black for the three three explorer, the vampire queen's agent. Queen's agent. Yeah, there we go. Uh, like squire's devotion, is sort of like building your own queen's agent in the in the white green dinosaurs deck. So I think it really relies on those. So here's a question for you: How have you found colossal dreadmaw fitting into these green based, the white green or red green dinosaur decks? Like, do you feel like you want like two of them? Do you feel like you need to take them highly? Do you feel like it's like, well, I'll get them if I'm supposed to be in dinosaurs? It seems like a pretty good card for these decks, is it not? Yeah, it's an awkward tension. Like, I think the ideal number is two to three, and you really want two. But you really don't want to take them that highly. But then if they, like, you're trying to wheel them. But if they don't wheel, you're so sad. 
because the deck really lacks punch without a couple dread maws at the top of the curve mm-hmm. so it's a weird tension i value the first dread maw pretty highly and i'm willing to pick it in picks like five through eight and then the second and third ones i'm usually trying to pick up on the wheel but if you feel like there's another dinosaurs drafter you might have to pick it a little higher than you want to. But the deck definitely wants two to three Colossal Dreadmaws. Yeah, it feels like Dreadmaw got a lot better, I guess, just because Dinosaurs got a lot better. Like, it was a good card. It was bigger than everything in Ixalan, but now it feels like it's even bigger this time around, and it feels like Dinosaurs just got so much better. I think the main reason it's so much bigger is the turn that you cast Knight of the Stampede, or so much better, rather, the mm-hmm. turn that you cast Knight of the Stampede, you can cast a Dreadmaw the next turn, even if you miss your fifth land drop. Yeah, that's like, true. So it just comes out so much more consistently with Knight of the Stampedes in your deck. So yeah, I've been really enjoying playing White Green Dinos. I think it doesn't probably function that well without a Squire's Devotion uh, and definitely needs Knight of the Stampedes. But the tools are there, and I of the two, I would prefer to be Red Green. But both of these Dinosaurs decks got a huge bump from where they were in Ixalan, in my opinion. I think they're both Tier 1 decks now. Whoa. Maybe not. I mean, not like some of the best decks in the format, but like very capable of 3-0-ing, whereas before I felt probably disadvantaged if I was in those color pairs. Yeah, for sure. That That is a pretty big swing, I would say. Yeah. Another deck I've had a lot of success with is White Black Vampires. This is where my other three trophies have come from. Vampires has been great still for me. Reasons to get into the deck outside of the busted rares. There are some busted vampires rares. The best uncommon, I think, for the deck is obviously Legion Lieutenant. That's the white black for the 2 2 vampire lord that gives all your other vampires plus one plus one. Forerunner of the Legion, as we pegged in the set review, is strong. That's two and a yeah. white for the vampire forerunner. It's three two, lets you search up a vampire on top of your deck. And then when a vampire enters the battlefield, target vampire gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Heaven forbid you have two forerunners in your deck and you go forerunner into forerunner into Legion Lieutenant. That's something I've done several times already in this format. Uh, it's pretty hard to lose the game when you do that. Two forerunners in play is ridiculous. I faced that down a couple times and it does not feel remotely fair. No, it's like build your own anointed deacon except better because they get the toughness pump as well. Golden Demise is outstanding in this deck so it does not need to go i just want to reiterate that about golden demise don't pass this card it goes in every black deck whether it's aggressive or not you're gonna get a send and it's gonna be great and even if you don't get a send you can just play it like minus two minus two to your opponent's team and try to slow roll your stuff so powerful Osworn Vampire is the 2-2, 1 in a black, enters the battlefield tapped. You can rebuy it if you gain life that turn. That allows the deck to grind quite a bit. And 2-2 blocks and trades with a lot of things in the format. So that card's really strong. Your opponents don't want to attack into it. And then it takes advantage of just some of the most busted black uncommons, the Chupacabra we've already talked about, Sadistic Sky Marcher, the Flying Lifelinker we've already talked about. And another underrated card that I think is really good in this deck is Pride of Conquerors. It's one and a white for the plus one, plus one to your team at instant speed. And if you've got Ascend, it gives your team plus two, plus two. This card frequently ends the game when you cast it in Vampires because you have Ascend most often and Vampires goes wide pretty naturally. Um, so I've been very impressed by Pride of Conquerors in the Vampires deck. And then takes advantage of the best commons in white and black, good removal. And then there's cheap two-drop vamps at common, uh, Martyr of Dusk in white, one and a white for the two-one vamp uh, that leaves behind a 1-1 lifelinker when it dies and then dust legion zealot is the one in a black for the one one that draws you card lets you lose life those two drops providing multiple bodies or multiple cards is one of the main reasons i think white black vampires is still great and then if you can cut vamps a little bit and you're the only vampire drafter you reap the benefits in the ixalan pack there's so many good vampire payoffs in ixalan at common and uncommon that sometimes even if there's another drafter you want them and you get them like you're the only person that's picking them up and they're so good for your deck so how i end up in the deck i usually get into this deck by picking squire's devotion super highly and moment of craving very highly so picking up like those enhancements and those removal spells and then getting some of these common vampires and like the picks four through eight range that's how i've been ending up in the deck the most how are you tracking the old legion conquistadors are you are you like keeping track of those in the packs and trying to grab three of them in these decks or do you feel like it doesn't really matter my decks i have not gone off with legion conquistador deck uh yet i've only had three in one of my decks i think the three drop slot gets pretty clogged in black white vampires because of the small set there's legion conquistadors and there's exultant sky marcher the one white white for the two three flyer and voracious vampire i think is what it's called two and a black for the two two menace that gives a plus one plus one and menace to another vampire for a turn Mm -hmm. those three all compete for the three drop slot and then you've got sky march bloodletter in the ixalan pack so if you're not careful you can end up with a glut of three drops sweet so i'm really looking forward to drafting some dino decks this week now that you've 
walked me through how to get into that deck. I haven't quite seen it yet, but I will be pretty pretty sad for it not to be a blue deck. Yeah, I am itching to draft right now. Uh, yeah, just talking too. about all this and not ha- I haven't drafted for two days. <laughs> it's driving me insane. You sound like a junkie. <laughs> yeah, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Just keep drafting. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this week. Yeah, that was a ton of information. Good value there for the time spent, I think. I agree. All right, so we're going to post up a list of all the achievements, so you can start ticking those off and shooting us some screenshots. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Lord Tupperware. Ben is at Mr. Metronome. We have our combined Twitter account for the podcast, at Lords of Limited. Let's see some shenanigans, people. Yeah, do we have a hashtag for these yet? Ooh, maybe just Rick's Treasure Hunt? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so hashtag R-I-X Treasure Hunt when you tag us with those screenshots. Yeah, baby. All right, thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. Other than Twitter and Twitch, where you can find us, twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Lord Tupperware. And please come check me out in the Rivals of Ixalan streamer showdown Thursday, January 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I am going to be there rooting for you hard. Nice. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions or screenshots, if you're not on the Twitter, email us at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep. Thanks, everybody. See you later.